0: school. I declare bankruptcy. Bears. Eats. Battlestar will to go. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast, and I'm Jay Ray. With me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit brokenjars.xyz to check out all of our amazing content. And big what up to our sponsor, Zencaster. Uh, visit yes. Zen- yeah, you got it. Go.
1: We, it. We've been having some issues, but they're working on it. Uh, but it's one of the nice things I like about them is their tech support is very quick. So, uh, but you can use uh, promo code Broken Jars, you know, all caps for 20% off your first order. So, Boom. Boom shakalaka.
0: Um, and as always, thank you to everyone who has uh, contributed to our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash broken jars. Um, we've got all types of fun tier rewards. Um, we've got a Discord channel that people can get access to. We do personalized messages. We do nude images of my, um, everything above my ankles. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, go check that out too, because, uh, without our sponsors and without our Patreons, we would not be able to continue to do the amazing things that you love us to do.
1: And I got to give a big shout out to our Patreons because, you know, hurricane Harvey happened really messed up Houston, which is, you know, where I grew up. I spent the first 15 years of my life there uh and i was like hey guys we're just thinking about taking all your donations and donating them and we'll match like yeah everyone's like just jumped on board so i mean it's not a lot of money but every every dollar helps right yep
0: and um yeah so if you want to get in on that um sign up for a patreon at least even just for a month so that we can uh up these don dones to these uh these folks in need in houston and that whole surrounding area it's been nuts and I've been listening to a lot of uh, NPR, and that's all they're talking about. But it makes sense because it's it's pretty, pretty nuts and terrible, and very opposite of the fun vibe that we're putting onto this show. So donate money. We will donate money. Positive vibes. Everybody I, be safe.
1: I looked it up because, like I said, you know, I used to live in Houston. It's I still have very close friends there, family there, et cetera, et cetera. And so I looked it up. So Hurricane Harvey dropped fifty inches of rain in a week. Yeah. That is their average for the year. They got a year's worth of rain in 7 days. Like that's how just catastrophic this thing was. So, if you're not going to help through us, please help uh, you know, donate food, blood, um, etc. just, you know,
0: help help your own out. blood. Right. Your own blood.
1: Right. Don't, don't <laughs> go finding homeless
0: people to donate their blood. <laughs> Opposite of what we're trying to do here. And on that note, uh, we are here to talk about one thing and one thing only, the office, plus any tangential conversations that come from talking about the office. That will <laughs> uh,
1: almost yeah. assuredly happen. Yeah. And also, hope everyone has a good holiday this weekend. It is uh, well, Labor Day weekend, so... Yeah, this will be
0: hitting you on Labor Day itself. Um just goes to show you, the folks here at Broken Jars, we work on holidays. We care about you.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, grilled it up today. Got some got some steaks. It uh, was really good.
0: We are recording a little later than usual because let me tell you, bro. In like the last hour and a half, two hours, me and my girlfriend were like on like we're we're pulling some limitless stuff. You know, we're like grocery shopping come over unpack the car pick up the dog drop her off at the dog park i go get taco bell pick them up from the dog park come home i'm eating taco bell she's unwrapping my headphones boom seven we're recording so it's it's uh, <laughs> that's how we celebrate
1: our labor day all right so we are starting off with season six episode six mafia directed by david rogers and written by brent forrester so,
0: yeah, we are we are coming right off of Niagara. So there has been a big wedding. Uh, Jim and Pam are away, uh, but that does not mean that the hijinks at the office cease. Right. Uh... So I'm trying to. What the hell is the cold open? <laughs> We're doing great. We're I know, at- I know. Oh, it's the fundamental. Okay, so uh, Michael is giving a, uh, a meeting in the conference oh, room. Oh, fundamentals. That's right. He's trying to discuss, uh, you know, how, how you can maintain a positive attitude while you're working and all that thing. And he's got the word mentals underlined under fundamentals. He's talking about how you need to keep it in your mentals to be positive and enjoy it and... Uh, Toby raises his hand, he says, but fun's in the word. And what's right. really, what's really great is, like, as he says it, it lingers on him just long enough for us to see that he's already started to stand up. Then we cut to Michael, and Michael says, get out, and Toby's already halfway out the door. He's like, I know.
1: Right, and we see that again. Um, oh, Somewhere else in this section of episodes, he's like, can you just kick me out now? Yeah. Uh, it was during uh, a koi pond. Yeah, that's like, where they're
0: crossing things <laughs> off. <pond> <laughs> like,
1: so, like, there's this string of episodes where Michael's just kicking Tobes out of the uh, out of the conference room meetings.
0: Yeah, if you recall, the first time would have been during uh, Diversity Day, I think. Where is that right? No,
1: I'm not sure.
0: It's an early one though, because Toby suggests that if they're, if they're all going to sit Indian style. And then Michael says, get out, because that's culturally insensitive. Uh, Oh, poor Tobe. So so the actual episode starts with uh, Michael coming into the office. He's a little late. I don't really understand his schedule, but that's fine. shows up. Everybody's already there. And there is a uh, large Italian man sitting on the couch uh, waiting for. We
1: assume this is at the start of the day. Like does it actually say it's a start of the day maybe he like went out for lunch.
0: Oh, yeah, I assumed mostly because uh or do we assume this is all one day? Well, because Aaron goes into what's on his schedule. So he has um what the heck is it called? It's like a creative creative time. Yeah, it's like creative thinking and then free play. So he pushes whatever to the afternoon he pushes the afternoon until tomorrow morning uh just trying to figure out what the hell michael's day consists of but
1: uh it, it reminds me of a, a futurama episode uh the one where he meets the guy from the 80s he's oh, like yeah. yeah i don't i am i don't have enough time to be entertained by a magician reschedule yeah. for tomorrow that's right Okay. So, and then uh, we also learn about the amazing thing known as the upper decker, which is.
0: Yeah. So, someone basically taking a deuce in the tank of your garbage, uh, your garbage in your toilet, um, so that you just get dirty poop water as you continue to flush your toilet.
1: Okay. So, this is tangential, but so somebody, when they were installing my toilet in my downstairs, messed up and so now i'm trying to fix it and the thing is is like these bolts are supposed to be hand tight only and like i've been getting like pipe wrenches in there trying to get these things off and i can't do it it is just terrible <laughs> these things i like, i've been trying to fix this thing for like four days now <laughs> oh my god it's like at this point i'm like maybe i'll just call the plumber uh yes that is reasonable i think you, you could, should what sucks, What sucks though, is that it, it's seriously a $10 part, right. but I'm probably going to spend $100 to get someone to fix it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm very fortunate that my girlfriend's mother is super handy. So when we moved into this apartment, uh, the flusher wasn't totally working because I think a chain was just not connecting to the appropriate thing. So she bought a chain and came in and she fixed it, and I was like, hot damn. I am
1: mean, I'm, I'm pretty handy myself, but this... I oh, don't know. This one's beating me.
0: Well, maybe we got to call my girlfriend's mom in.
1: <laughs> If she's going to drive to Pittsburgh, <laughs> she's more than welcome to it.
0: I will have my people call
1: her people. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we yeah. find out that, you know, Jim and Pam are gone for um, their honeymoon, mm-hmm. which knowing how Michael does vacation and things, especially after Phyllis's wedding, we don't know how long they're gone, but they probably got as much time as they wanted, right?
0: Yeah, because what did Phyllis get? She got it wasn't like, like
1: five weeks or
0: something, something like that. Yeah, five or six weeks.
1: Yeah, it, it was super long for. So they're they're gone, and Kevin has taken over Jim's office because he originally went in there to fart, and then he just decided to stay.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're probably gone for like no longer than two weeks. For two reasons.
1: Yeah, I, I got the I got the vibe. It was about two weeks. That's... Yeah,
0: well, because we know they're broke, also, so it's not like they can spend tons of money to be away for super
1: long. Yeah, but I mean, going to they went to Puerto Rico, right? That's right. I mean, that's not that expensive. Um. Well, that's relative,
0: Jacob, because I'm a broke man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were just uh,
0: getting our oil changed earlier, and. You know, the, my girlfriend said something like, oh, well, if this thing's only just an extra 30 bucks, no problem. And I said, 30 bucks is me dying that week. That's make or break. That's what I got in my bank account right now. That's how I'm living. So uh, it, it is relative, but that's fair. It's probably one of their cheaper vacation options. I mean, honestly, they probably should have just went to Montage Mountain to go biking or right. a lovely Steamtown Mall. Insert other Scranton chokes here. Well, I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, they, they could have easily gone to like. This is, this is what early fall, so they could have easily just driven up to like Maine or something and ran a house. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've definitely looked at that because I'm, well, we're sort of in the same area, you know? Like, you can get a house on the beach in Maine for like 800 bucks a week.
0: Yeah, which is better than like a hotel room for a week in Atlantic City.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you, Cause I, you know, I was looking because it had like three bedrooms. So I was like, "Hey," I called up a friends. Like, we could split this and do it for like four hundred bucks for the week. And we're like, "Okay, yeah, (laughs) maybe we should do this. That's pretty cheap." (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. it's not the cheapest they could have done, right?
0: Right. Uh, But yeah, so uh, Kevin's in there, and um, it's great. He's just having a big old fart box. Um. So there is a. The man who is waiting for Michael is an insurance salesman. And we find this out as Michael and him are meeting in the conference room. Um, But for whatever reason, Andy is instantly nervous. So from what little Andy has gleaned from the situation, essentially an Italian man sitting on a couch, he has come up with an entire concept of this man's background, his actual profession and possible criminal ties.
1: Right, so apparently they think he's a member of the mob. That's correct, organized um, crime.
0: Yeah, or as uh, Ryan would say, there's actually five families. Right, um, but yeah, Dwight's also in on it for whatever reason. So as his meeting's going down, Dwight and Andy are peeking through the um, the windows. there kind of overseeing. I mean, we're
1: not really surprised that Dwight is like this guy's in the mob. I mean, it, it fits Dwight's character.
0: Well, I got well, no. I was gonna say I, I can't say that Dwight has been particularly racist, but now I'm remembering the entire Martin Nash thing. So yes, Dwight is extremely racist, a super sexist. You're right, he would think this. Um
1: <laughs> but he's yeah. also like ultra paranoid. I mean that's just right. who Dwight is. He's just fucking paranoid as shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um but during the conversation we find out that um this insurance salesman who we find out his name is Gri uh, is sharing a lot of real world bad situations that could occur and using that as a sales tactic
1: as to why one would need insurance, which, which is think, what you would expect. Someone right. it like kind
0: of goes with that territory, right? You're
1: not going to go in there and be like, hey, you know what's awesome? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know what's awesome about not having insurance? You know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. As he's leaving,
0: uh, Garotti goes to get his jacket and he the whole coat rack falls down. Uh, now, I've got it in front of me right now and I'm trying to figure out, does he do it on purpose
1: or was it an actual accident? It didn't seem like it was on purpose. Like, I don't know. I mean, it begs the question, do you think he was actually a part of the mob or if he was just, you know, a, a, a very hard driving sales guy?
0: Yeah, because I guess I wonder, you know, Dwight has that technique where he calls a competitor's customer service line and then puts the hold call on speaker, you know? So is this a grotty technique where like on his way out of the office, he breaks something and goes like, see, anything could happen.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, honestly, I thought grotty seemed like a He's a human being. Yeah. It's tough because we're seeing him through the
0: eyes of these paranoid assholes. <laughs> right. So
1: yeah. So it's like, right. Is he
0: just being a, a cool fellow or not? But, um, Michael's kind of expressing his annoyance with karate, mostly because he thinks he's a bad salesman.
1: Right. Cause he doesn't, cause Michael's not the, the high pressure sales, which this guy obviously is. Right. Right. And so he doesn't like it. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, but Dwight and Andy are right there And they're like, listen This is what's actually happening And they go on this spiel about how He's obviously in the mob because of two reasons He's Italian And he drives he an drives SUV, SUV. <laughs>
1: Because
0: of the body space That's right And then we find out his real name Which is Gratty And then both Andy and uh, Dwight bug out Because of how similar that is to Gotti which is nuts.
1: And, you know, we, we get the great Dwight line about, like, why would they change the name? It's like, because R is one of the most menacing sounds in the English language. It's called murder, not muck duck.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, I think there's a similar 30 Rock joke where I think they say K is the funniest sound. So muck duck is an interesting go-to for Dwight considering 30
1: Rock thinks Ks are funny. So, muck duck is a hilarious phrase based on and, that and, logic. And so, you know, they, they get in Mike's head. And that's obviously, like, super easy to do because it's Michael after all. <laughs> and so, in and Andy being Andy, um, it's like, look, when someone threatens you, you just give in right away. That's right. And, it, and Dwight's like, no, you've got to stand up to a bully. I know because I've bullied a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: So, they're kind of, like, trying to pep talk him in his office to decide what the best course of action is in regards to this and for some reason Dwight suggests that you know to kind of like shake him down to bully him back you know and um, Andy's like yes I like that plan that's what we're doing for like no reason there's no no one's decided like there's no plan it's just to be as tough to Karate as they think Karate's being to Michael, right?
1: Right. And the thing is like Michael said no. Mm-hmm. You know, right. when he was first there.
0: That's kind of the end of it, why, right?
1: Yeah. Why did he go to lunch with <laughs> <clears> them?
0: <throat> yeah, no, like, that's true.
1: Like, was Michael just like wanting to like prove he could like outsell the salesman? Or like Well, what
0: I think is, I think they got into Michael's head in that they think this is not the last time they'll see him. Like Michael said, no. And now based on that, there will be repercussions, you know. Um, so they convince him to do this lunch thing so that he doesn't just say no, but he puts his foot down so as to implore Grady that he is not someone to be trifled with. The comparison of a horse in <laughs> a horse's head in your bed comes up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I don't know. In some respects, it does; it makes perfect sense for Andy and Dwight's character, but it's also like it feels like they're just jumping to jump here. You know, it 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 seems a little out of place. Listen, not I've not known to be
0: negative on this show, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, there's like there's like a fundamental point in this. In this, like, I mean, we're like seven minutes into the episode. So, like, within, like, this three-minute point that we have to just believe that Andy and Dwight believe this. And then from there, the rest of the episode plays out properly. But, yeah, it is a bit of a, right. a weird stretch for these two guys to be so adamant in such a way that they're never adamant about anything and specifically together, you know? Um, right. Yeah, but they get them. But in that instance, though, there are people in the office
1: who see how ridiculous this all is. Namely, is Oscar – uh- Coalition of reason is some is decidedly low or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and we so, get them. Yeah.
1: Like, how do these people think it's okay for them to call Jim and Pam? <laughs> I gotta say,
0: I mean, so I obviously, despite five years of office living with them, uh, I know my job is really bad at not leaving people alone during vacation time. So my job would totally call someone on their wedding day to be like, hey, you know, uh, you were supposed to email that Excel out on Friday, but I can't find it. So do you think you could hop on a computer real quick? And uh, so, so it's definitely out there and um, it's terrible. But yeah, so Oscar gives them a call and um, it doesn't, it's not a conversation that goes over super well. And uh, Oscar gets hung up on, but he plays it off as if it was a mutual goodbye. Uh, but right. they, but they have no help. Uh, they have not helped Oscar in this situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have taken the call. Like, yeah, well, maybe right. I, I don't know. Maybe caller ID doesn't work internationally. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, at what point too? Like, I don't know. Someone's gonna have someone's cell phone number, right? Like, that's a text message for sure. Hey, btw. Michael being shaken down by mob, question mark, can't be true, right? Winky face, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> However that text would go.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it's just crazy to me. But then we find out that or we see Kevin accidentally canceling Jim's credit card.
0: Yeah, so the spending in Puerto Rico shows up as suspicious to Jim's credit card company. Michael, uh, Michael, boy. Kevin not realizing what this woman is saying on the phone answers all of the security questions based on documents on Jim's desk and gets the card canceled. It's great. <laughs> um, and I feel like too, his, his cover up also is not the best one, right? He's like, why not let the robbers use it more? Um, as opposed to saying, no, I'm not Jim Halpert. I'm just reading his credentials from his desk, you know? Um, it's fine. So he tries to play it off and the card gets canceled. I can't imagine what it's like to deal with a canceled credit card while you're in another country.
1: Well, that's, it, this is an object lesson, right? The thing is, like, you banks have, like at least my bank, and I think a lot of major banks, they have an automated system, if you want to do that, that you tell them, you basically punch in where you're going and how long you're going to be there. So they know it's you. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to travel to somewhere weird, call them, <laughs> you know, like right. call your bank. Yeah. To make sure that doesn't happen. I
0: mean, cause I remember one time, what do you call it? We, uh, broken jars, had a secret Santa and we have an, international crew around at Broken Jars we are all over the place, we are very diverse, you know, we would not have a meeting with Mr. Brown because of a lack of diversity training, we are very good here that being said some fool in Europe wanted some D&D shit, so I ordered it for him, and my card got flagged because it thought someone had stolen it trying to order stuff in Norway or Sweden or wherever that kid's from (laughs) Denmark, (laughs) that's it same thing Anyway, so, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, again, I was in the U.S. and I was able to confirm that. But, yeah, being in Puerto Rico, I imagine it's not great.
1: Yeah. And there, there's so many times where, like, because they end up getting, like, two or three calls from different people at the office, right? Jim and Pam do. Right, right. And I was like, why are you even picking up the phone? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you know, I, I would understand, like, if you had a kid or whatnot, but they don't have one yet. Uh-huh. They do. It's, it's about, growing, yeah, but still, that's
0: right. yeah.
1: It's it's a little uh, what Andy call it a uh, soybean or a soybean. That's right. Uh, so the next
0: thing that we see, uh, we've got our trio of mobster fighting office folk, um, arrive at the restaurant to meet Karate. For whatever reason, Jim and nope, not Jim. Michael and Dwight have arrived together, but Andy arrives separately. Probably because right. he needed Truth. no prep time. Yeah.
1: Dress as a mechanic, carrying and, a, as he says, a tire thing. Yep. And it's like, and, why did he go with the... Uh,
0: I know, like of all the mechanical. possible weapons possible, yeah. Uh, so he's got a crowbar. Um, he's right, got a tire iron. And iron. Tire and iron, that's it. Uh, see, I also would be very good at speaking about car tools um so he's got his uh, mechanics outfit on but he's still wearing like his work loafers right um it's fine so they all go into a fancy restaurant with their mechanic friend uh and um they are eagerly awaiting for grotty to arrive
1: now grotty shows some power moves here right yeah because he like changes the table it's like yeah I want this on the side. If it's on the side, I send it back. If it's burnt, I send it back. Yeah. And Mike orders the gabagool. So do you know
0: what gabagool is? I have no clue. <laughs> so let me tell you, as a North Jersey fellow myself, though not Italian-American, I can't help but feel like I've got a lot of that culture inside of me because I worked at an Italian deli for three years. And they called me Fish because of my lip ring. So, you know, I've got some street cred there. But uh, gabagool, Mr. Jacob, is the name for capicola. If you know what capicola is. I mean, it's basically a cured meat made of pig, right? It's salami. It's pepperoni. It's gabagool.
1: Okay.
0: Now, my Italian girlfriend had told me also... That gabagool is also the name of, like, a dish, but it's still essentially rolled deli meats on, like, a platter. You know, it's more of, like, an appetizer kind of thing. Um, so there must be an Italian person who works on the writing staff of that because I feel like gabagool. It's just going to sound like Italian mumbo jumbo. <laughs> and they're going to miss that it is an actual real thing. So I just wanted to make sure to put it out there. Go to a deli. Say, I want some gabagool and fresh mootz, and they will give you a capicola sandwich with fritz mozzarella. It's great. You'll love it. Delicious. Lesson learned.
1: Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Okay.
0: Anyways, gabagool. So he says, I want gabagool. Waitress doesn't understand what the hell he wants. Um, Ends up getting spaghetti, I think.
1: (laughs) Right. So so the interesting thing about this, so... You know, they're leave. Well, first, first, someone asks that if Andy can help them jumpstart their car, Mm -hmm. and And Andy is like, "Oh yeah, you got a leaky spark tube and all this stuff." (laughs) Like, I do have a hard time believing he doesn't know how to jump a car.
0: Well, let me be honest with you, Jacob.
1: Things are color coded. (laughs) Well, I've had terrible
0: cars in the past, so I've had to jump my cars frequently. And I still find myself frequently trying to Google which one I put on first. In preparation for this episode, I'm aware you put positive first. But now, as I'm speaking, I forget which car you put it on. The dead one or the not the dead one. So, there you go. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. I'd be just like Andy the mechanic. Though I probably wouldn't destroy your car.
1: Right, but I mean... For the most part, as long as like the cars aren't on, it doesn't matter. You can just plug them right up and it's not a big deal.
0: Listen, I know what I saw.
1: This man destroyed that car. Well, but There's... he also plugged it into like just random parts on the engine, so he's sending electricity into yeah, <laughs> it places it's not supposed
0: it. to be. It's true. Um, doesn't work out yet. The... Uh, <laughs> the spark tube is now broken and he just goes back inside uh, which honestly I feel like is how most mechanic shops probably work it's how they can tack on all those extra fees it's like well your spark tube broke so uh, you're going to need new tires and some brake fluid uh, what's that? blinker fluid that's what you need, blinker fluid, blinker fluid right? that's the joke
1: So what's what's weird is that when he's talking about it, like it seems as though Michael bought a policy for himself, even though it was originally for Dunder Mifflin. So I don't know if like Grotty like had the switcheroo or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I had wondered that myself because he wants to meet with Michael probably because of his status as a decision maker for the branch, right? But it seems like he walks away with a personal policy. Right. I mean, that confusion could be done because they decide to have this weird lunch date.
1: Um, yeah. So it's, it's the price of a cup of coffee an hour. <laughs> yeah, which is cheap,
0: because we're also talking about like coffee and like, what was this twenty thirteen something
1: like that? Uh, well, what kind of what kind of coffee are you talking? You're talking like you know big ass grande mocha whatever. You're just talking you know black coffee drip.
0: Well, this ain't no five cent cup of coffee in one of those blue Greek cups. You know, this is. uh, It's complicated. Okay, so uh, we briefly visit the office again and um, Kevin is revealing what he's done to Oscar. And um, Kevin basically, I mean, all the consoling aside, Kevin reveals that Oscar would love prison.
1: Right. Right. Just because because he would love it. Oh, he's like yo! You should read about it. you would love Chris. <laughs>
0: um, not an insensitive joke at all. <laughs> um, and then let's see. So that joke actually... wouldn't fly
1: today. Like you couldn't, you could not make that joke today. Yeah, no, I don't think so.
0: Um, yeah, so like you said, basically Andy and Dwight fail to persuade Michael to. Uh, I mean, Andy again defaults to his roll over and die mentality and he's the one pushing Michael to uh, just sign up. Dwight's trying not to do it, but uh, Grady can speak to
1: the man, and um, Michael walks away with a policy. Right. And then, you know, they they come back later with this great idea to tell them that, to tell Michael that he, that Grotty isn't in the mob. Correct. And well, it, just before Mike, that. Or Dwight has some kind of line about how um, you know how is it as likely as you know a low level or mobster doing a shakedown on a low level paper company happening is like and that happened today. So.
0: Right, right. Well, so before they reveal the before they try to persuade Michael, Michael desperately makes a phone call to Jim and Pam, um, for advice on how to deal with it. But right. unfortunately for Michael, the Beasley's get sucked into the Bermuda Triangle. While this call is happening,
1: don't call again. <laughs> it's like, and then you'll be saved.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great.
1: Um, so, how expensive are these phone calls? Like, it's probably like twenty or thirty dollars worth of like phone charges that he racked up for chip and Pam.
0: Well, because I they I, so I don't travel a lot, and when I do, it's definitely not international. But don't they have like special international SIM cards you plug in or whatever sometimes or yeah, but I mean, this, this is also eight years ago. Yeah, that's fair. But then I wonder, is Puerto Rico considered
1: international because it's a
0: commonwealth?
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe that's... But it seems like it'd be expensive.
0: And and you raise a good point. It's 2009. So it's very different than it is today. So yeah. Uh, they're just charging it to Dunder Mifflin. There's no ethnic issues with that. Right. <laughs> You're
1: like... Like, right now, you know, like, I just switch my cell phone provider and have I get, like, unlimited international talk. So, I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah.
0: It's like, oh, great. I could call the Queen of England. It's the only person I know by name. Queen England. Um, yeah. So, our, our dynamic duo come into the office of Michael Scott. And they express how Grotty is not a mafioso man. Right. Andy has a guy down at the FBI who is able to, you know, run him through the system. Dwight has a guy at the sheriff's department who is able to run Andy's guy. Apparently, total sweetheart. Everything's on the up-and-up. Um,
1: I, so, I love the double-checking. <laughs> like. At, <laughs> Because the guy at the sheriff's department, he cannot check this mobster who lives in the jurisdiction, but he could totally check up on a FBI agent. Yeah, it's true.
0: Well, it's like I, for me, it was just uh, Dwight needing that last word, you know? Because <laughs> like right. he went so as high as like the FBI, so Dwight's like, "Oh, I know people, you bitch." Yeah, so so they convinced Michael that it's all. Well, I mean, they basically convince him of the truth by accident that Grotty is just an insurance salesman who's a little pushy. So they get Michael to call Grotty back and give him the business. Uh, Right. He's The only person that actually needs insurance is you. If you show your face around here again, got it? uh, He's getting real tough. And, of course, during his time, um, there's a point where Andy and Dwight are really excited about it, right? But then right. Michael takes it a little far, and then they start getting nervous because they still believe that he is uh, part of the mob.
1: Again, i it's just a weird disconnect.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But um, Michael hangs up. The The boys reveal their evil plan to Michael, and he says, like, I should be mad. But he's kind of running off of this like adrenaline high of telling off this mob.
1: Right. Show. He's also feeling like a badass, which Mike My- Michael loves to feel like. That's right.
0: Um and then lastly, well, so then Michael Regales the story of how he stood down the mob to the office with everybody who participated listening in, and boy, is he his events are slightly different than what we had just seen over the course of the last twenty three minutes. Um and then, uh, but Dwight affirms. He's like, yep, very close to what happened. And then Michael pulls one last, um, get me coffee medium or I'll send it back.
1: Not, not from the break room, from there. If it's not there, I'll send it back.
0: That's right. Or just send it back. And how do you return coffee? Go. <laughs> and we end the episode with Kevin calling Jim. I guess what he's trying to do is just to make sure that they're all okay based on this Mistake he's made, but, um, Pam is not happy.
1: I mean, do you blame her? Like, like, why do you keep calling me? Like, like, like five phone calls in a day from the office on their honeymoon. It's true.
0: Honestly, I'm sure Pam was getting a little flustered as Jim was playing some jokes, you know, as he was doing his, his cracks or whatever. But Pam was probably getting a little upset.
1: Well, and, you know, at this point, they've got to figure out how to get their credit card renewed. You know because the bank has ample evidence that they're not in act- not actually in Puerto Rico right so I don't know it's it's uh, it's a thing, so what do you give this episode sir uh it's okay uh you can tell it's a you know it's a transition episode where we're trying to get in between everything you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I give this a 2.5 out of five salads on top.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I think sometimes, and again, more full disclosure of my negative attitude about the office, but the later episodes sometimes get a little bogged down by the story part of it, just cause it kind of gets a little more fantastic. I kind of like that. This one is kind of self-contained and doesn't focus so much on that, even though there is a moment where you, obviously you have to suspend belief, but,
1: I give it a three out of five gobble ghouls. Gobble ghouls. Gobble ghouls. Yeah, we're... Next episode, I'm really looking forward to, because we're hitting, like, four of my favorites. So,
0: it's going to be strong. Okay, So Before we... we get... Sorry. So, I don't know if you've seen, Jacob, but there is a BuzzFeed article that is going around the internet that is very popular, explaining all of the ways that Jim is a dick. That's essentially the name of the article... I don't know if you've seen it. Based on your silence, I'm assuming not. I have not. But what are your thoughts on the assessment that Jim Halpert is a bag of dicks? This is my assessment. I've said bag of dicks. They just say a dick. One dick, multiple dicks. You know, it goes on to say that he's actually a nice guy prior to dating Pam. You know, he's got some well-meaning mentalities, but it's all once he kisses her at casino night is when he starts to go downhill. He kind of mistreats Karen, you know. Um, The article takes some leaps that I don't wholeheartedly agree with. It says that he persuaded Karen to move to Scranton. I believe Karen moved on her own volition. One, because she needed a job and this was a job offer. Uh, And two, because she liked the jam also. But um, obviously he still likes Pam while dating Karen and then eventually leaves her in the city to ask Pam on a date. And then once they're dating, he seems, you know, he shows some disinterest when she's in art school because she she doesn't know who Sarah Kaya comes in is. Even though Sarah Kaya comes in, doesn't matter. Not listening. Right? Right. Um, You know, he's jealous of the art dude who's there who wants her to stay in New York to do art. Um, This article cites buying the house as a major point of no-nos for Jim. I don't think that makes him a dick. I think that's a misstep probably in making a huge life decision without consulting the person who is planning to spend the rest of their life with you. But Mm -hmm. that's fine. If it's a list that maybe it does help to make him a dick. Um, Of course, the athlete stuff is the biggest crime, which I wholeheartedly agree with too. Once we get there, I don't know how I can contain my anger at Jim's behavior.
1: I mean, it definitely goes downhill for sure. And I was just skimming through the article. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's a ramp up for sure where, but then it like, he settles back down into who, you know, he, he he comes back around when it's all said and done, you know, it's sort of a, he loses himself and then finds himself kind of thing. Right. All right. I mean, I think ultimately
0: both of them are to blame, not that. I mean, Roy is terrible, but technically speaking, Pam wasn't doing Roy any favors by staying with him,
1: you know? Right. No, no. Pam Pam has her own issues. And I mean, we, maybe we need like a special podcast <laughs> special. about like The all the issues with, insert character.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, well, I just wanted to bring it to your attention just so you knew what, what the scuttlebutt was about uh, Mr. Jim Halpert, that son of a bitch.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're moving into The Lover, written by Lee Eisenberg, or directed by Lee Eisenberg, directed by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupinski.
0: So our our cold open here is Jim and Pam
1: coming back triumphantly. Right. And Michael pulls out uh what was it Blind Blindy McSqueezy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently the ladies in his improv class hate him well so you, to-
1: you can you blame them that's right um <laughs> like, how is michael just not being cold cocked in like in his improv class like you grab some woman's boobs and you know like how is there how are they not just like flying elbow or like right to his temple
0: it's true though that being said um I believe this is the episode where Michael does get cold clocked because of his inappropriate behavior.
1: No, no, no. That's that's um, the next one. That's double date. That's the last episode we're gonna hit.
0: Son of a bitch. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's uh, it's terrible, and then um, it ends with Meredith coming in saying, uh, "What did you get us?" <laughs> right.
1: Like, and they brought them, like, uh, candy. Yeah. And, and like, that was it. And she was not happy with that. No. So So there, there's two big storylines going on in this episode. One, we have, because we, we saw it happen in Niagara, where Michael starts hooking up with Pam's mom. Yep. Who apparently now lives in Scranton. I don't know when this happened, but. Yeah, Pam's mom isn't is well, the case in season two. So I don't know if it's a retcon or what. I don't know. Well, you we'll we know too. that she separated from the dad. So maybe when that happened, she moved closer to Pam, Well, which Helene, would be a very reasonable thing.
0: Helene, too, is a little bit more not high maintenance, but she seems fancier now than she did before. Right? Season two, Pam's mom seemed a little bit more in line with Pam herself.
1: Right. And she also wasn't that much older than Pam. <laughs> like, you know, it, it definitely. Right. Like a 20 year difference. You know, maybe it was a young mom thing or
0: something like that. Right. Also, too, uh, you know, we know that Pam's mom knitted her that sweater uh, when all the Stanford people come to, you know, Scranton mm-hmm. So similarly, this version of Helene doesn't seem to be someone who would also crochet a sweater together or knit a sweater or whatever. Um, so there's some there's some oddities here, though. This seems like a character that would date Michael. The other version of Pam's mom doesn't seem like she would, because in this situation, that other Pam's mom seems normal. If
1: that makes sense, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, there's. It's a big. Lots of big retcons going on with Pam's mom. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh. Yeah. And the other storyline is that Dwight is attempting to surveil on Jim with a hollowed-out mallard with a listening device.
0: That's right. So as a sign of like his congratulations right. on a new job, yeah, he's like, right. take this duck mallard. Jim keeps calling him a duck. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, and they they're actually kind of loosely connected because at some point Jim is kind of so upset by what's happening with the Pam Michael thing when he finds out about this Mallard we'll talk about it but he kind of gets like in the zone you know yeah he's like ready to go yeah
1: so Michael Michael re- like they're in the kitchen and Michael reveals that uh, he is sleeping with Pam's mom. And Jim's like, oh, no, you're not. You're kidding. What kind of car does she drive? The green Camry. And, you know, one of the few times where they actually, like, bleep out something, you know, and they're like, he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the
0: follow-up line, too, while he says that, right? It's like, and the seats go all the way down. It's like, oh, God, so gross.
1: And it was like, she's right on my way home from work. I'm like, they take away a different way home, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like because Jim can see it. Like Jim knows this will not end well for him or Michael or anything else because he now knows. Right. You know, if he right. didn't know and Pam found out, it's one thing, but he knows, well, and let he's, me- get, he's like trying to. Just, yeah, just like get out of knowing this. Well, let me
0: ask you this. Would So is Jim wrong in not revealing instantly this revelation? I even think this might be one of these things on the list he just looked up. But uh, I don't think so, right? It seems like he's just trying to put the fire out before it becomes a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... it. I mean, you've got to tell her. You've got to. But you've got to... Oh, I mean, there's instantly no. At some point, you've got to tell them, but not maybe like, because there's, there's so many moving parts. Like, do you bring them all into a room together and be like, Michael, tell me what you told Pam, or tell Pam what you told me? Mm-hmm. Do you tell Pam? Do you try to soften the blow? Be like, look, and like trying to like, Like, make sure Pam doesn't go crazy. Like, there's there's a thousand different ways to go, especially because it is, you know, his equal now because they're both co-managers. And, you know, it's his wife who also were... I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of time to figure this out, but you do... I think you do have a little bit of time to try and figure this out. Trying to keep it quiet like Jim does, probably not the best idea, but...
0: It's not – I guess because Pam gets mad in a way that it almost seems like she thinks that he's covering for Michael, you know? Right. And I think she's just missing the mark. Like you're saying, I think he kept it quiet to see if he could stop it. But maybe he kept it quiet for too long.
1: Right. And, you know, if he had – if he had told her, like – if he just told her at any point, it probably doesn't get as crazy. Mm. But you can imagine the scene. They're in Jim's office. He tells her, and she just like bolts across the room, ready to murder Michael. Right. Like she'd be like grabbing like scissors and like, cause you know she knows where like, uh, White's weapons are she'd be like grabbing the crossbows and shit like throwing throwing stars yeah (laughs) Yeah, ready to fuck them up so (laughs) Mr. A knife um and it's I mean that's it's a really weird position to be in because yeah how do you tell your wife that her mom is fucking Michael Scott not
0: like that Jacob (laughs) certainly not like that but um No, it is difficult, but... Well, so he he makes his decision. Doesn't say anything. um, Tries to go about the day as normal, but then um, at one moment he leaves the office, I think, to give uh, Michael the gift they got from Puerto Rico, and there's some feedback that he hears from the mallard. Right. So he flips it upside down and sees that there is this fancy microphone embedded in the wood of this mallard, and um, now we know
1: that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, right? Right, and so he's like, he's like, it's on. Yeah. So they go across the room because they're like, and so Pam is like, okay, what are we gonna give Michael? Because they they got Michael something, right? Assuming for that extra week of free vacation, they got to go on their honeymoon, was what I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, and just like see, so ball of rum, seashell clock, Ball of rum. You know, right. I don't know. I don't really like rum, so maybe I'd want to go with the, the seashell clock personally, but I don't know.
0: I would definitely go with the seashell clock, though I suppose I could re gift the rum. Seems kind of lame, but I could do that. I don't want the clock
1: either, honestly. They both sound like terrible gifts. I'd rather, but, like, a- know, Jim is like doing his day and it's like, no, let's wait. Yeah. Because I think, I think. Jim, like rewatching the episode, like Jim has this idea that like Michael, if he gives Michael enough time, he'll cut it off with Helene because, you know, it's a bad thing for him to do, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they go across the the room and they go talk to Michael and and um, Aaron says something about changing reservations from four to two. That's right. So they were going to tell them, I guess, over some you know, fancy-ish dinner, uh, Cooper's or wherever. and No, it's like, yeah, it's like a
0: fancy restaurant. And it's because Aaron says the name of this place that Pam's ears kind of perk up. And she's like, oh, like, that sounds like a date thing. Like, you only take a date to that restaurant like that. And um, Pam kind of becomes her own worst enemy in this situation because she's kind of egging Michael on to... Give to
1: give up who he's going on this date with, right? Right, and then and he's and it's like it's someone I we I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but something like some you know, someone that's related to someone who works here, like, yeah. Oh. she's like, Oh, who,
0: yeah,
1: and he's like, He just kind of like bobs his head, and um, she's like, Oh, who, yeah, so it's I mean, this like
0: great situation where like. You know, it it happens when Oscar, too, is trying to figure out if Angela and Dwight had sex on his desk. Right. But, um, you know, she's like, who? And then, like, Michael just gives this, like, blank stare in, like, the most terrifying way where he's just, like, chant, Like, you know, he's just putting it all out there. He's like, I'm banging your mom. I'm banging your mom. Look at my eyes. I'm banging your mom. And, um, you know, slowly, Pam is revealing it and then she just kind (laughs) of turns around and runs no as the door slowly closes um it's a great moment it's probably my second favorite no on the show following michael's no to toby upon his return from costa rica
1: right and then you have yeah and so yeah you have all that going on and like pam is pissed obviously and then we find out that Jim knows and she gets pissed at Jim and he's like doing everything he can to like fix it. Frank and beans. Frank and beans. Um. We do we, we this great scene where he's like messing with Dwight. Even though we 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 see it happen but we don't know he has a listening device in the pen he dropped off in Jim's Office when he dropped off the mallard. Right.
0: He says, Don't leave your stuff on my desk, puts a pen in the pen cup, and we're supposed to be distracted by the gift of the duck. But right, the real listening device seems to be in a pen.
1: But he, so he's playing off really well when, you know, Jim brings Andy in, starts talking about Dwight, you know, and starts playing this opera super loud.
0: Well, I ultimately think that both the devices would have been useless in that instance, you know. I think Dwight's legitimately flustered. Maybe, because they're both recording that room and that room is just blasting whatever. The right, hell is blasting. but the, the
1: pin isn't isn't live. It's only recording where the mallard is broadcasting. <sighs> because you we see him have That's to go in and, in and mind. like use the cap on the pin to start listening to it right 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 well, that's a good point point. and he is
0: listening to something live so I guess it is the duck that's the live feed yeah so Jim points a sign at the camera it says Dwight picked the wrong day to put a wooden mallard in my office uh, it's crafty it's all very crafty of uh, Dwight but um, so they have this meeting um, basically to figure out how the office can help communities and such kind of as a way to to like move on away from the pam thing but
1: right well apparently there was a big 60 minutes segment about dunder mifflin paper mills and cancer clusters that's what it was something yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that it was a total hit job and if you read the dunder mifflin newsletter you would know that right <laughs> showing how we're how, how michael looks at things yeah
0: so they're looking for ideas as to how they can help the community and they'll get a fifty dollar gift to give it to a restaurant they want. And Pam is basically just the peanut gallery for sure, right? Um, let's see, what does she say? So I've got some lines
1: and here. She's like, you know it would be great, no more meetings. Yeah. And everybody and claps. Just chanting like no more meetings, and you see um Stanley in the background. He's like, he's like really getting through, like, no more meetings.
0: No yeah. more meetings. Yeah, she also says something like, "You know, I know it would help the community. You could leave it." Right. And, and Michael tries to play it off by pretending to walk out the room, but um, I mean, this is this is some solid office that we're seeing here because it's it's awkward and not everybody in the room is privy to what's happening, and you know, Michael's doing his like right. Blank earlier stare we stuff.
1: earlier we saw uh, like Pam outside. Uh, like basically yelling at her mom, like, how could you do essentially saying, How could you do this to me? That's right. You've heard me complain about him for a decade. How, how could you hurt me in such a fundamental way? Right. You know, it's, it's not like she's angry, it's like, it's like some, somewhere on a fundamental level ham is hurt like her inner puppy got dropkicked. kicked i mean that's just that, that is the level of hurt she's experiencing well so
0: she expresses all this and then helene actually ends up calling michael during this meeting
1: right and she's all upset he's like oh no one talks to my baby that way um, yeah exactly and, and
0: <laughs> uh, angel is trying to give a legitimate suggestion as to how to help communities but everybody hears that Michael's having this conversation a foot outside the door of the conference room. So Kevin keeps trying to shush her. Um, right. And then Michael ends this call with nobody talks to my baby that way <laughs> and uh, comes into the room and
1: immediately gives Pam. He gives. The, he uses the, the full name too, right? Like Kevin Pamela Morgan, Morgan Beasley. That's it. And you need to apologize to your
0: mother right now. Um, Angela's still trying to talk through the whole thing, of course, because she, she <laughs> course. thought she had the floor.
1: Yeah. Hey, you see, like, it's like, I thought you would want me happy. I don't give a shit about your happiness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, and Oscar is like, tries to like, say something. He's like, what if he was sleeping with your mother? Yeah. My mother's in a wheelchair. And then Pim's like, he's, well, he hey, can hey, like, <laughs> Yeah. Like she's so angry like i don't think there's anything quite on this level of just anger out of pam no
0: yeah
1: like they say awful. you know hell hell hath no fury and all of that but man
0: <laughs> i know this is this is a whole nother level this is
1: some... she, like she's just like walking around dropping nukes if she could
0: now Pam is kind of yelling at him, and everybody's kind of saying how inappropriate this is once it's revealed that the lover is Pam's mom. But Michael has a pretty legitimate little bit here where he goes on to say, like, what's so wrong with me that I can't find happiness, you know? And it, it's a kind of like a touching moment, and all the jokes are kind of gone, and he has this bit, and everybody has these solemn faces thinking about it. And Phyllis kind of says, you know, good luck, whatever. And um, Pam is like just not having any of it. Oscar wheelchair mom bit happens. It's great. Um, And now the, you know, the rivalry is on. Pam is against Michael and she is ready to mutiny the entire office. Um, You know, and there's some interesting, oh yeah, yeah, it's great. It's all awesome
1: and she's super mad. um, This is one of those times where, you know, Jim should just play chess with greed. Like, you should just, like, just doped out and left Pam to her own devices. Uh, So we kind of culminate. There we go. Words are hard. Uh, Culminate with Jim essentially outing Dwight's mallard. Yes. And he's like, really, really? in a wooden mallard or wooden duck mallard. Yeah. Like, all right, you're going to clean my car. The punishment fits the crime. Right. <laughs> so he goes, cleans the car. He's like, look, Dwight decided to do something really nice for you.
0: Yeah, and it kind of works. Um, You know, Pam is starting to feel a little bit better. And Dwight's really going for it. You know, he's got his jacket, he's got a hose, he's got a bucket, he's got a squeegee. Don't even know where he got a squeegee. Um...
1: Oh, you know Dwight just has that stuff. Just has it, yeah. Because <laughs> we, saw, we saw him do this exact same thing where he bought Andy's Xterra and immediately was able to That's wash it.
0: it. That's right, yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah, so maybe he's just got cleaning supplies at closely all the time.
1: Or maybe just, you know, goes in the janitor's closet or something right. at
0: work. Yeah.
1: And then we we see at the end where he comes in after work, and he he's listening like he screws the top on the pen, he starts listening, he's like, "What do you think I would put my main listening device inside of a mallard? I'm not insane, <laughs> it's really like, as Jim, insane. Like, talking on the <laughs> as as Jim talking on the phone about like stock prices, like I've got eight hours of this." <laughs>
0: I mean, so this is this is planting the seed for um, Dwight's. What, what the hell is it called? His like plan to destroy Jim or something like that. Yeah, a
1: diabolical plan yeah, to destroy Jim. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so you know, obviously, Jim getting this promotion is something that Dwight hated wholeheartedly, and uh, now we're starting to see Dwight start to take some actions against this revelation to him. All right, so. so-
1: what is your favorite vacation or vacation spot? Like you have, do you have that one place where you just like to go. Like it- you know, it's
0: tough, but I work very hard to make my living space everything I need it to be. So I feel like I wouldn't go anywhere. I'd sit. You know, it's a it's a common thing that I've said before, but I'd remove my pants. I would sit in a place with one of my large televisions and. A console hooked up and I would, you know, ADHD style switch between playing video games and watching something on Netflix for 16 hours, probably eating pizza rolls. And then I would go to bed later than I wanted to. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that's really all I could ever ask out of life. Uh, what about you?
1: Uh, I have a v- There's a place we used to go when I was young. So like, uh, it's up in the Ozark mountains in Arkansas. And when my parents used to rent a house, like, ru- like on the lake it had a dock and everything, and we would just go for a week and chill. And so like, uh, very near and dear to my heart. Plus Disney world. I love Disney world, but right. All right. Well, that's a better answer. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are you rating this episode?
0: yeah you know it was it was good and kind of uh brings back some of the awkwardness that I like of earlier seasons., uh, so I gave it a three point seven out of five. Do not call my mother your lover?
1: Yeah, I really like this episode. Uh, I feel like they're like, okay, they're like finally getting on track they've they've done Niagara. They're ready to get back to like the office again. Uh, really enjoyed it. It's funny. Uh, I love Angry Pam. Angry Pam is the best Pam, I think. Uh, so I gave us a four out of five moms in wheelchairs. Great,
0: <laughs> awesome, and totally reasonable.
1: <laughs> All right, next up we have Koi Pond, re- directed by Reggie H- Hudlin, who I that that's got to be a first. And di- or directed by Reggie Hudlin, written by Warren Lieberstein and Halstead Sullivan. Again, like a lot of firsts here.
0: Yeah, uh, Warren Lieberstein is Paul Lieberstein's brother, right? Uh, who plays Toby's brother eventually, and also briefly married to Angela Kinsey Kinsley Kins- Kinsey. Um, so that doesn't make that being awkward at all later. But it's fine. Yeah. And then they got divorced.
1: It's all sad. Everybody cried. Right. So this this episode doesn't really have a cold open. But we jump in and they're like, Jim's getting ready to go do a sales presentation. And Aaron calls it. Aaron says something about, oh, they're expecting both of you. And basically, Jim is really taken aback because he thought he was going to do it solo and Michael starts really sort of controlling Jim over the sales and he's enjoying it way too much. Right. Right.
0: And um, yeah, I don't know. So this is kind of an interesting episode at least because we get to see Jim and, Michael be that mentor mentee again, in a way that we don't, we don't really get to see frequently, you know, we saw it during survivor man. Um, obviously the first episode of the whole show, there's that bit where Jim comes to Michael because he needs help selling something or whatever. Um, and a couple other instances like this. So this is a little different, I guess, because they are technically equals, like you said. And, um, you know, obviously not everybody's okay with that equalness. So Michael's always lording over and Jim has his own way of dealing with things. Let's continue. Uh, so, yeah, so they go. They're off to the thing and he
1: keeps grilling. Um, Jim. Are you going to wear that watch? Like, he's like, they're all about style. What do you yeah. call him? Hey, that's right. No, Mr whatever wits
0: yeah and it's ridiculous because like it's not like jim's never sold anything before
1: right right but uh but again this is like you know this is what michael does this is how he's good at what he does is about you know that relationship style stuff
0: right Um, And then there's another interesting pairing that happens in this episode. Um, Some of our favorite salespeople are paired off to go do some selling.
1: Yeah. Apparently the two lowest in sales for the month have to go cold calling. Right. Which traditionally
0: is calling. But Uh, instead they're just going up to the office.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that happens. I mean, it's just something that happens. It seems like a waste of time. Honestly,
0: you're sending two people to drive around to meet people who they presumably have never talked to before, hence the cold part of it, to possibly get a sale.
1: Right. Well, part of it is at least, well, at least for one of the businesses they visit, they're new to Scranton. So maybe it's a, you like a welcome. Yeah. You know, trying to get the, put a face to the name kind of thing.
0: Right. All right. That's fair. Um, Well, so they go and um, so what's interesting is that Pam is starting to show,
1: right? Yeah. She's definitely pregnant at this point.
0: (laughs) And uh, without fail, every single place that they go to will bring this
1: up. Right. And Well, it starts out where Andy says something about being a dynamic trio, Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, so, I mean, when someone says something like that, you kind of assume they're together, right? Right, right. And so, you know, he's like, no, or no, Pam. Pam kind of loses, like, no, 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 and starts laughing. Oh, my God, no, we just work together. No, 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 no. Yeah.
0: And uh, Andy notices how many times
1: she says no. It's like someone's got a case of the um, the nose. No, well, it's not the nose. The uh, oh, how does he say it? The definitely's
0: the case We we
1: we we definitely aren't together. Definitely, definitely, definitely not together. That's right. And so Andy then returns the favor where he's like. Yeah, because they, they go in somewhere. And it's like, yeah, we're a family business. We like to see this, too. It's like, oh, no, I date models, face models. Yeah. On a scale of one to gel, a nine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, so the, obviously the sale does not work. Andy also makes the improper comment about Pam being the surrogate for his super hot model girlfriend so that she does a wreck her body. It's terrible. Um you would imagine that these are things that a family business would not want to hear.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where I, this is so Andy, this is why I know we're going to come to blows come season nine, but this is why what happens in season nine makes so much sense with Andy.
0: Well, let me say they are being Rocky with Andy already, you know? Um, You know, we've talked about it a bunch before, but it doesn't make sense why Andy becomes this terrible salesperson. He was presumably a relatively high position in Stanford. I mean, maybe that was just based on seniority, but I don't know. They don't just give you promotions because you're a useless sack of crap who's been there a long time. So Andy was good at something at some point. Then he comes to Scranton, gets sent to anger management, but he becomes an active member of the sales team, you know?
1: Right, so you start to see this descent in like season five ish. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and then he starts to level out though once him and Aaron start doing more together because he becomes more interesting as a character outside of just his work ethic, you know. Because also, from what we've seen, you know, aside from our main characters. Everybody else we only know in the context of the office. Right. So, so similarly, Andy seems to be really tied to the office. Once he starts dating Aaron, though, we get to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit into some of his own things, you know?
1: A lot of this stuff is tied right around, is tied around Angela. That's when you start to see his descent, is when he's, you know, gets cheated on. So, it seems like he kind of loses focus after that. Yeah, that's reasonable.
0: I mean, again, we're coming up with theories as to why a real-world Andy would become worse at his job. What's really happening is the writers of the show decided that they need somebody to be terrible. And they're like, well, let's pick Andy because he's more famous than Phyllis Smith or um, Stan Lee's name that I forget. (laughs) Leslie Barker. That's it. Well, Stanley Hudson,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so can okay. we flash back to the office? Yes, and Michael comes in. Michael and Jim come in, and Michael is stoked, just like yeah. to the bone, sopping wet. Not just like got rained on a little bit, but like obviously in some water, you know, with some, some flash, uh, flash winds and rains and sounds,
0: <laughs> right. And it's great because you know everybody's cracking jokes or whatever, and for whatever reason, Toby comes in and he's like, Hey Michael, and then Michael freaks out. He's like, No, 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 no. Everybody in the conference room. Um so uh, Yeah, they were
1: so like it's oops. Uh it it, it starts off with um Kevin getting Aaron to say David Wallace called and said he heard you made a big splash at the meeting. That's right. And then she immediately like throws Kevin on the bus. He's like, I'm going to kill you.
0: (laughs) Yes. I don't
1: think there was any veil there at all. (laughs) I don't know. It's a little cryptic. Um, So we we have... uh, Stanley saying you need to ignore their carpe. It's pretty yeah. good. Uh did you find Nemo? That's right. Uh koi uh, story? Yep. When Phyllis falls in um fa- falls in lastly before Toby comes in with the When you fell in, did you flounder?
0: That's right. And the whole time Dwight is just translating the puns. Right. As if Michael didn't get them already. Um, So he calls this meeting in the conference room And this is um, He says I'm not usually the butt of the joke I'm usually the face of the joke Which honestly in this context is the same thing But that's totally fine And then he says he wished Jim had fallen into that pond
1: Right And so he has his group Well he has everyone in the conference room And they kind of start unloading on him Like look you always make fun of us all the time All this other stuff He's like well This is a really good, like, dynamic or showing how Michael works, where he's like, I I have a hard time telling him when you're saying, please stop, or when you're saying, oh, stop, oh, stop, I'm laughing so hard, please stop. Right. You know, it shows his disconnect between everything, you know?
0: Yeah. Right, because then I think Oscar says it's literally never been the case.
1: Right. And then, so he has the, we're going to do the do not mock list. That's right. Uh, So the quarry pond, falling in the Steamtown Mall fountain.
0: Twice, I think, right? Right. Um, So then some other people start to add things. Let's see.
1: White's nose is too small. That's right. Kevin's giant gut. (laughs) Because, like, Michael is, like, putting, like very derogatory things on it i'm guessing it's from a a deleted scene but you see aaron on there like being an orphan so apparently they've been picking on her about being an orphan it's like why why would you pick on aaron she's too sweet
0: well i don't know if they have picked on her because no one makes a joke about dwight's nose that's kind of a revelation to the room and then they're like oh yeah it is kind of small so maybe the orphan thing is similar
1: maybe right And, like, Angela is, like, afraid of being hurt too much because she's too little. Well, she
0: doesn't, yeah. And she also doesn't want um, people to pick on her for her eating habits because she eats like a squirrel.
1: Right. Uh, Meredith had sex with a terrorist. That's right. Uh, You know, one of the earlier douchebag uh, rhymes was like, yeah, he's like, I'm in this on again, off again, pseudo relationship thing, like really just like deriding Kelly. Yeah. He's like, just put Kelly. She's like, oh, I was like super happy. But like she was he was just like demeaning her the entire time.
0: Right, right.
1: Um
0: and then uh Creed, it's Creed's turn and he says, If I write it down, I can't be charged with it. And D- Dwight says, No one said that. And we never find out what it would have been, but we know we've seen Creed come back from crimes he's committed.
1: Right. So we can assume what it might be. Right. So, and we flash back to Jim, not Jim, Andy and Pam, and they're talking to somebody and they finally decide to like, sort of give into the whole work together thing to try to make a sale. Right. And Andy, like, so Andy says something, and he puts his hand on Pam's stomach, which is a no no. I mean, you just can't mm-hmm. do that. Okay. And like, and the baby kicks and he just freaks out, yeah. And it kind
0: of devolves into this weird thing of Andy talking to Pam's stomach
1: and kissing it and like talking about like Lama's coaches on Clearview Avenue. <laughs> I mean it's it's bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, it's crazy, but it does seem like the woman that they're talking to seems kind of interested in dealing with them. But in a later conversation, uh, they're driving away, and we find out that Andy reveals that he's kind of had an interest, obviously, in raising a family. His intentions to marry Angela weren't just because he's trying to bang her, but you know, he's kind of got this dream future with kids and stuff like that, so um.
1: That's something I I think we talked about quite a bit, you know, back back in those seasons is Andy, I think, really did love Angela.
0: Correct. Right. I agree. For whatever reason. And uh, yeah, so, you know, in expressing that he studied Lamaze coaches and stuff and then faking the whole thing with Pam in this situation, it kind of brings all that back up to him and he kind of gets a little carried away or whatever, you know, but it's kind of this sad moment for Andy because he's just kind of he's kind of lost at the moment you know similarly this is setting him up to be with Aaron you know
1: right this is when we also like really learn about the whole Aaron uh, interest yeah right right I I mean there's a little bit of it earlier but in season five but it's never really expressed directly until now
0: it just seemed like a people thought the new girl was attractive kind of thing
1: Right. But but
0: yeah, he does openly share that he is into
1: Aaron, and Pam kind of takes note of that. You know, we also, it's never expressly put, but, you know, Andy is older ish. Mm -hmm. So maybe he is having one of those, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point in my life kind of times.
0: Because what are we saying? Jim and Pam are probably now 30, 32. Yeah,
1: Orleans, like that. Andy is, I always thought, a like little 30s. older. Yeah, I agree. Well, right, because he says something about being older and With having more experience, experience yeah. in season three. So, you know, he's probably like 35, thought he was going to be married, you know, then all of a sudden, it's not that he's, you know, the, the relationship ended. He was getting cheated on.
0: Yeah, it was like the worst I mean, way that whole thing could go down.
1: Right, I mean that—that that destroys the best of men, much less Andy.
0: Yeah, who is fine at best.
1: Right. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it's just I don't know, a weird dynamic, and I, I think you see that here, and it really does humanize him a lot about how, because when we first meet Andy, he's just a jackass and a jerk. Right. But now they're like he's becoming much more of a human person. Like, yeah, he's he's. Not just the punchline anymore. He's becoming more of a a human, I guess.
0: Right. So we get back to the office and um, Jim and Michael are having a bit of a heart-to-heart. And uh, Jim shares some pretty good advice, if taken appropriately, in that you kind of have to make fun of yourself in a situation like this because you don't give – then the rest of the people don't have ammunition, right? Right. So Michael vaguely understands what's being said. And he goes out to the main sales floor area and decides to kind of give himself a small little roast. So he talks about falling into the pond and cracks jokes about it. And everybody seems to be on the a good frozen time.
1: lake by the girls' volleyball team. And he went to go get a, like one of those five friends plans back when those were a thing.
0: Yeah. And he didn't even
1: have five friends. So. Yeah. It,
0: it, it. He goes a little far. And um, he ends up making himself sad and everybody in the room feels a little awkward. Um, right, and he's
1: like too far and like runs back away. And like he, they, they, they show Creed and he just actually looks concerned for Michael. Like he can see the implosion happening and he just, he can't look away.
0: And then before Michael leaves, he just looks at Jim and says, thanks a lot, man.
1: Uh, right, as if Jim is-
0: this total breakdown in front of everybody
1: and then hey or no meredith somehow gets the video and we find out that jim let michael fall in
0: yeah basically jim pulls this michael jackson move uh so when michael flails around to grab something to study himself jim is not there um and it's, you know, it's an interesting moment where we find out that Jim actually let this happen because, like we said earlier, he's been babied, you know? He is obviously a good salesperson enough so to get this promotion. And Michael's been kind of overseeing the whole thing, so it feels like if Jim can let him fall into the koi pond, that makes him not seem so bad in relation, you know?
1: Right. Part of me also wondered if it's just the... um just a reflex where you just like pull away to make sure you don't get pulled in too. Yeah, you know, I I don't. It's obviously played off as a as if it was malicious, right. You know, but I kind of always wondered that because it seemed like, depending on how those kind of bang bang kind of things go, it's just a reaction to not get pulled in with it, you know?
0: Right. So, um, Michael realizes that Jim is jealous of Michael's kind of skill set, you know? And, uh, he says it without thinking, but a second later, he kind of has this revelation of like, oh snap, I've got something that Jim doesn't have, you know? And, um, he kind of takes that. And then later on, Jim's in the, uh, that break space, getting coffee and, Oscar does the pull-away kind of teasing Jim for it. And Michael's there. And, you know, they kind of have this nice moment where um, Michael obviously seems to have come to terms with the whole thing. Right. And, um, yeah, Michael opens the door for Jim and he also does the pull-away. And it's very humorous. Our hearts laugh in this moment. (laughs) And the episode ends with... um, So Aaron's shown a lot of oddities. We didn't really mention it in the last episode. But when they come back... Pam tries to have candy for the office that Aaron um, refuses to put on the table unless Michael gives it. Michael says
1: it's okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Here uh, at the end of this episode, Pam is trying to give Aaron some documents to fax, and um, Aaron says, "Like you got to hand them to me upside down. I don't want to accidentally read them," as if that was a rule that anybody had ever said at any given time about this stuff.
1: Well, that's why generally you send you have a cover sheet, you know, if it's sensitive information, right.
0: Uh, But it's here where Pam tries to plant the seed of Andy, and we find out that uh, Aaron is kind of into it anyways, though, because... He's the coolest person person I've met.
1: Cool, like Marlon Wayans. Man, like... Poor girl. Look, I know you really like Andy, but I don't, like... I I for one am so happy she ended up with Plop and not Andy. Get out of town, bro.
0: Let me tell you, the only thing that Andy did wrong was the boat thing, and the boat thing was enough. But that's the thing. I don't think that's in keeping in Andy's character. We'll get there. It's a couple seasons from now, but I'm just saying that that moment is like that is the confusion that we felt with Dwight and Andy bugging this dude about being in the mob. It just doesn't make sense. Why does he do it? He does it and he ruins everything See, it, make,
1: it makes sense. Everything to me. is wrong. That's it, it crazy. Makes it makes sense to me. It seems Anyway, so what are you giving this episode? I'm going to give it a uh, um I'm going to give it
0: another 3.7 out of 5 koi stories. <laughs>
1: yeah it's a good episode. It's funny um you know it's just it's it's more like an old school episode where it's not about like moving the story forward or whatever it's just right. it's just funny and it's nice. so I gave it a three point three out of five. Aaron is an orphan rough <laughs> and All our right. last
0: episode of the evening double date
1: this oh I remember this is one of, this is one of those episodes that is stuck in my brain from like the first time I watched it. Yeah. it just think, just like it took me a long time to be able to rewatch this episode. Right. That's fair. I know people like like complain about Scott's Tots and stuff, but to me this episode is worse than Scott's Tots.
0: Well, you're wrong, but I respect your opinion. Scott's well, Tots is terrible.
1: <laughs> it is terrible, but this one is I mean, this is up there. It's it's easily in the like top three or four most awkward episodes. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, let's just, let's just get into it. So, like Jim and Pam, it's, it's Pam's mom's birthday. It's Helene's birthday. Yeah. So there's a big thing done for Michael, being Michael, has done it up. And so, you know, it's, it's really nice, you know? And then, and then she, um, him says something when they're at the restaurant about, uh, so this is the, what, ninth anniversary of your 49th birthday or something?
0: Right, right. And then Michael, and Michael freaks out. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't quite get the math right, but um, it's the first time apparently he's made aware that Helene is older than right him. And it's just one of those like perfect situations where like the whole conversation goes in such a way to continue to reinforce this idea that Michael now has about Helene and that she's like this geriatric woman who's basically not functioning anymore. Even though realistically all that we learn is that she's, you know, she's lived her life. She's traveled. She's done things and stuff. and that, Yeah, she know,
1: just doesn't want to go on a long plane flight anymore, that's which exactly I can't
0: right. blame her. No, I don't I, like long plane I, flights. I hate it. Don't
1: make me do it. I mean, I went to, you know, when I went to San Diego, I was like a five hour plane ride. And even though I really wanted to go to San Diego, I really did not want to be on the jet for five hours. That's right. But so we open up with, you know, they're in well, the sort of the B storyline opens it up where Dwight has gone to New York City to bring authentic New York style bagels, which I don't know what that means. Um they're like I'm not from.
0: Well, you know, who makes bagels, Jacob? Jewish people. A lot of Jewish people, gonna New York City. I'm going to say. So that's that's the joke. So just another inst- so don't that's not me, that's Dwight being racist. That's what's happening. Not for nothing, you probably going to come to Jersey. We we have a very diverse culture over here. It's fine.
1: Whatever. Gabagool. Um, yeah, so you I, I do like bagels. me a good bagel I mean, yeah. There yeah. was a uh, In Stillwater Where I live I don't know if it's still there But there was a bagel place That made these really great Like sausage, egg, and cheese Bagel sandwiches it was yeah. super good they're super good. So, yeah, I'd be really happy if, you know, Dwight brought me one of those. But granted, it'd be cold by then. So
0: Yeah, it's a two-hour drive. I mean, he's got them on this, like, little wicker thing, which maybe he he put together in the uh, lobby or something downstairs. But, yeah, th- those are pretty much the opposite of a fresh bagel. Those are two-hour-old bagels. Three hours, really. That's a far drive.
1: Right. So, like, I don't know. Like... Are- are they really, I mean, you're, you're closer to, you know, the big, the big apple than I am. Are they really that much better? Or are they just bagels?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're just bagels. I mean, it's tough, right? Because like everybody like has their place. So I wake up one morning near one buddy's place and they're like, Oh, this bagel's great. And another day you're at another place. And I'm like, these are the bagels to get. I'm in Jersey. People are like, these are the bagels. And I'm in Connecticut. These are the bagels. And I'm like, guys, do you have Taylor ham?
1: <laughs> That's the question. Bagels.
0: <laughs> That's right. Like I get it. It's bagels. But do you have pork roll? That's the question. So that being said, Northern New Jersey is the place to get bagels because we have Taylor ham. You're welcome.
1: Okay. There
0: you go. Um, so he brings this and he brings all the fixins, all the spreads and stuff like that. Um, and he shares them with everybody in the office. And as he gives them a bagel, he has a very odd way of saying you're welcome. He says, you owe me one,
1: which is just weird to begin with, right? Right. You never say you owe me. I mean, uh, I mean, there are times where you're definitely like you owe me, but that's like a tends to be much more uh, a bad situation than a good situation. Like, oh, my God, I'm doing this for you. You owe me, you son of a bitch kind of (laughs) kind of thing.
0: No, that's exactly right. Or like if uh, someone's already trying to pay you back and be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, get me back later or whatever. But yeah, it's...
1: Right. Normally you're like, normally you say I owe you one, not That's you right. owe me one. Yeah. So uh, he, he,
0: we find out that he is basically accruing favors from the entire office so that one day he can cash in this favor as if people will be unable to disagree because of this social contract that has been created between themselves and Dwight. Uh, to overthrow Jim from his position as co-manager under Mifflin Scream,
1: right. Um, and I Which gotta that, say, I too, mean, yeah, Jim's only got well, like another six, seven episodes, if that. Right. Being a uh... yeah, I mean, Dwight doesn't know that.
0: Cut him. Dwight st- doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I gotta say too, these bagels just look like regular bagels. He didn't really like. I don't see poppy seed. I don't see everything. I don't see onion. You did,
1: did get Stanley the uh, pumper, uh, pumpernickel. Yeah, yeah, which seems racist. Which I don't know what pumper, pumpernickel is. Yeah, um, like I know it's a type of bread,
0: but that's about it. If you ever, well, I, yeah, I guess it doesn't help. But I was going to say, I think if you go to a cheesecake factory, they give you a basket of bread with different types of breads, and one of those is a pumpernickel. Probably the bread of that basket of breads. The rest seems subpar. It's a little sweeter. So I just have to imagine it's like a sweeter
1: wheat maybe. Oh, okay. But I could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it now. How's it look? Does it look good? good. Yeah. Yeah. I just never knew that was pumping.
0: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you what it looks like. I mean, I'm trying to glean what it is off of the reflection of your glasses, but it's not working.
1: (laughs) It's the brown bread <laughs> at Cheesecake Factory. It's the brown bread.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, and he, Dwight finally talks Michael into uh, taking two bagels because he wasn't going to. You know, he had some fish stick sandwiches, which is an aphrodisiac for breakfast. Two fish sticks. That's right. Um, Dwight drops some science knowledge about how, scientifically speaking, you have to be hungry. Yep. So Michael grabs two bagels got some cheese and um, there it is. So basically the staff is now going to be indebted to Dwight for some reason moving forward.
1: Right. Except for Andy who gets into a polite off with Dwight. (laughs) That's the entire B storyline, which is pretty funny. Yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, There is an odd moment for some reason where Ryan He's trying to convince Aaron to pose for some photography that he does. Yeah, well, he's totally hitting on her. and like, Well, that's true. But I just I try to figure out why. <laughs> like, the scene seems to be unconnected to anything else, aside from the fact that we see that he takes topless pictures of Kelly in the office.
1: Right. I think it's just supposed to be funny and, and yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. Showing that Ryan, you know, from the previous episode, is kind of a douchebag where he's trying to, like, you know, Put it in, uh, in Aaron. Or at least see your topless. At least.
0: That's right. So, uh, Helene shows up and they are all gearing up to go toward this birthday lunch. The office is not being super cool about it and being very blunt about some things, specifically Kevin talking about sex.
1: Well, she did say that he slipped it on her while she was still asleep. So we obviously, uh, You don't got to say it, though. Yeah, Yeah, you don't got to say it. But but Michael said some parts were censored due to whatever. So it's really Michael's fault here.
0: That's fair. That's reasonable. Well, so Pam has this plan with Aaron. And I will say that this scene is also listed in the reasons why Jim Halpert is a dick. But um, essentially, Pam is trying to pull a Jim, so to speak, by creating a fake emergency that only she can solve so as to get out of an awkward meal that Michael is part of now last time this happened it was Jim and there was a fire in his apartment and he was trying to leave the dinner party
1: right and see that's like that's part of it where I'm just like you know because I saw that in the article and I go um, okay it doesn't necessarily mean he's a dick I wouldn't want to get left in between Michael and Helene on a, you know, birthday, you know, lunch. I mean, what does this say about Pam that she's trying to skip out on her own mother's birthday lunch?
0: Yeah. I mean, we can get real cyclical with this conversation because what does it say about Helene dating this man who we know, She's heard terrible things about from her daughter, you know, so it's really, right, but still so.
1: like it's it's like I don't think this makes Jim a douche it kinda like it does or doesn't make him a any bigger douche than he already is well, presumably
0: like that could have been some other occasion where Pam was gonna see her mom, you know, maybe she was gonna stop by her place later that night or something. I mean, I would say that this lunch is specifically because Michael is there too, you know?
1: Right, but I don't know. I I feel like it's a package deal to where either, you know, in Pam's situation, you either got to get Jim out of it too, or you just got to suck it up and do it.
0: Well, if Jim was as crafty as he pretends to be with all those snarky faces he makes at the camera, he could have utilized this opportunity to get out of it as well. Be like, oh boy, Pam and I are gonna have to go take a trip down to this place or something. But he doesn't. Sells her out. Cold. Talk about throwing her under a bus, bro.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was gonna it say totally, does. It totally, it totally does, but
0: it's fine. It doesn't work. Aaron tries valiantly. Jim is able to quote unquote solve the situation.
1: Oh look, it's fine. Yep. And we get this great things like that paper. Great thing with like that paper was never supposed to show up there.
0: Yeah, I was a little confused by how that brief moment acted out because Creed kind of is, oh, thank God, almost as a, as like an impulsive response, you know, uh-huh. but then based on the talking head, it sounds like the previous response was acted. Right? Right. So what did Creed really want? He's saying the paper should have never arrived. Something's wrong. So why would he say, "Oh thank God," in relief previously?
1: It's confusing. Was well, was was the "Oh thank God" before or after Jim cleared it up? Was uh, it when was it when she said there was an issue that he said it, or was it? Let's see.
0: So Jim says, "Turns out the paper was there all along." Pam sighs, and then Creed says, "Oh thank God." smiles and walks away as if nothing happened and then we immediately have the talking head where he says something's up that paper was never supposed to arrive
1: I yeah mean, maybe, i mean creed being creed i think it's just him playing it trying to play it off right maybe he was just bad at it was
0: a bad character creed Bratton acting moment right right because what he should have done was not act like anything was weird because this is literally his job is to make sure paper is getting to where it's supposed to go or whatever right because he's so his
1: job is quality assurance
0: Quality assurance or quality assurance? Well, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, potato you know. potato. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. So, okay, so it's just the character of Creed being bad at lying, despite his many lies. Got it. Okay, that's fair.
1: All right. So we're at the restaurant, and Michael has done it up real nice. Done done up the you know table with all sorts of stuff, lights, balloons. He gets her mom a scrapbook. And then Pam drops the bomb about how old she really is, right? And Michael, it, it just it flusters him.
0: Yeah. Well, they have uh, this whole conversation about like what Helene's going to be called as the grandmother, you know, right. Nana, Grandma, um, whatever. And yeah, Michael is just kind of bugging out during that whole bit because it's hitting him about how old she is.
1: Right, and, you know, so he starts grilling her about, like, running, doing triathlons and going to Italy and snowboarding and all this crap, and you, like, because you can, you can, if you watch, you can kind of tell where, like, Pam is starting to be okay with Michael doing this because she she sees that he's treating her mom right, you know, that he really cares, all this other stuff. But the more this progression goes on of things you, I want to do, you can see it in like Pam's face of, oh my God. Right. This is bad. Yeah. (laughs) And then Michael disappears to the bar of all places. (laughs) Right. And so like, Pam, I guess, is just trying to, like, figure it out. He, so she pulls him back in, and he dumps her. He dumps Helene.
0: Yeah, so it's this awkward thing where, like, he comes back, and he's trying to ramp up to dump Pam. Nope, sorry, dump Helene, using Pam as the reason. Right. And then Pam cuts him off, she's like, no, listen, it took me a while, but I'm I'm here now. now you know, you make my mom happy, let's do it. And then Michael kind of sighs and, and and he's a bit of a he's a bit bummed out. So he's like, okay, so that's going to make what's following that much harder. And then he tries he tries again, but now with the truth about the age issue. Right. Uh, one of my favorite lines though is, "Who is Kafka-esque? I don't know who that is.
1: I don't get your preferences. <laughs> yeah. Who is Kafka-esque?
0: <laughs> um. So it's just so Jim and Pam kinda of sit by and watch this whole thing happen and yeah, and then they break up. And of course the worst part is there is an actual car ride home where uh they have to deal with that. So I mean, it's fifty eight, what is she supposed to do? Michael's driving, Pam's trying to make him feel better, and then Michael does try to chime in at some
1: point and get shot down real quick. Just totally
0: totally misses the mood of the
1: room, right? Right. Uh, so Michael tries to buy off Pam. Yes. So he's like, look, I'm going to give you a raise, but there's strings attached to this raise. So she, I guess she gets the raise, but she also says, he he says something effective, I'll do anything. She's like, I want to hit you. Yep. And
0: And that's the thing. It's agreed upon that he will be hit and that's it later on. It's all strongly assumed that he's about to get whacked in the face. Right.
1: Well, I mean, mean,
0: it could have been like a gut punch or something, you know, but yeah, she wants to punch him in the face. It's fine. (laughs) Uh,
1: So like he, Michael doesn't think it's that big of a deal until like people start talking to him. Like Ryan and Kelly come in and is like, are you scared? She got that crazy pregnancy strength. Yeah. So he goes to Jim and he's like trying to get Jim to like step in. He's like, she wants it real bad, Michael. (laughs) Uh, And then like Toby comes in and he's like, so this is going to be off property, right? She's like, yeah. Like, well, okay. The power comes from the back leg. So you want to twist and keep the shoulder level. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, just to go back real quick, because my favorite bit of that gym part is that uh, he's like, I just need a couple of days. Like, it's so obvious that Michael's got like two hours left. Um, Yeah, no. So the office is not being very kind to Michael in this context, because Pam is coming in very prepared.
1: And she wants to like, she wants to do it in front of everybody. She doesn't just want to hit him. She wants to hit him in front of everybody. Yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, so it's the end of the day, they're outside, It. she goes to him a few times and he just flinches, right? Just keeps flinching, keeps flinching, keeps flinching. And, you know, he, he says something, and I don't know if Pam, is just a fake out from Pam, or it's because that Michael followed it up, but he's basically said, I'm really sorry. Right. He's yeah. like, fine, okay, just don't talk to another member of my family ever again. That's right. And she starts to walk away, he says, She came on to me and she just turns and just open handed, just right in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets this like face of like Ugh. Yeah. I okay. Mean, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's halfway to crying already.
0: Um Yeah, and I mean that kind of Everybody starts to disperse or whatever. Michael's kind of crying. Jim's asks Pam, you know, do you feel better? And she's like, no, which, of course, you know, violence is never the solution, guys. It's always a solution. And then um, so we're back in the office and Dwight is trying to put frozen chicken onto Michael's face. Um, So I tried to look it up. I thought I had heard an old wives tale about putting meat on your face when you're hit because it's something like the proteins in the meat leak onto your face and help the healing process. But I, I Googled it. That's not true. Essentially, uh, I,
1: just thought, I just thought people use meat because it was cold and that's what it you was. Know, it was yeah. essentially, it's essentially an ice pack.
0: Well, cause I figured we've seen this since like Looney tunes, right? So like why, but I guess it's because ice wasn't specifically readily available and you didn't want to waste ice on someone's face. Right. So you use the meat because you could rephrase it using the ice that you didn't put on someone's face. That's fine. Whatever. Well, so essentially, too, so following this B storyline, we find out that Dwight's plan totally goes out the window. Because with all the givebacks to each other and taco lunches and stuff, ultimately Andy gifts Dwight a, it's like Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks gift card. And he says it's from the whole office. Probably not. But based on Dwight's verbal logic here it's establishing that now everybody has paid Dwight back for this favor that he right. had accrued. Yeah. And then Michael doesn't want to give him a favor. So Dwight's basically just out.
1: Right. He's like, what a waste of a day. I could have had mushrooms that were this high by now, like like half an inch off the ground. I was like, they're mushrooms. They just don't get very tall. That's right. Yeah. All
0: right. So um what do you think sir what are you gonna give this episode i
1: really enjoy this episode um i think it's fun funny etc etc uh so i gave us a four out of five don't test my politeness
0: nice you know what i i gave it the same thing it's four out of five i don't have a word i'm just gonna say mushrooms <laughs> four out of five mushrooms um yeah no this is this is good i mean i'm with you generally i'm like in these one-offs i mean this is a bit of an arc it's two store you know it's two episodes give or take um right i mean ultimately and I, I, and we're just getting deeper and deeper into episodes i don't like jacob that's what <laughs> it is i'm sorry everybody who posts comments and questions and all that stuff but i like focusing on the people and just as we progress with the show, everything gets more outlandish. We talk about corporate buyouts, you know, we talk about these like big power struggles, we talk about these crazy fantastical relationships, uncharacteristic boat trips. Hashtag truth bomb. Uh, next, so it's these per- personal moments is what I like, I guess is my point. So,
1: the next couple of uh episodes I really enjoy. So, we've got murder shareholder meetings scott's tots and secret santa for our next show and i love murder i think it's hilarious shareholder meetings good scott's tots as well scott's tots yeah so
0: it's the dinner party for a new generation
1: episode's so cringy it has its own subreddit yeah it's a rough one yeah so bone up on that subreddit
0: watch the episode and then join us in two weeks um anything else sir
1: No, uh, check us out, brokenjars.xyz. You can find me on Twitter at chickabingles, uh, patreon.com forward slash brokenjars if you want to give us some of your hard-earned money. Uh, Yeah, that's about it.
0: We will see you on the (laughs) (laughs) flippity-flip. Laters.